0: Hello, I'm Derek Doak, and you're listening to the Real Estate Investment Insights Podcast. For over 25 years, I've been serving the investment property industry, from preparing tax returns for property owners when I worked in public accounting to creating multi-million dollar syndications as a commercial broker. Throughout my career, I've always had a passion for learning and teaching what I've learned to others. This podcast is for fellow brokers, agents, investors, and real estate syndicators wanting to learn from those that have done it. My goal is to bring value to you through the sharing of best practices and industry knowledge. Each episode is geared towards providing knowledge and insights on industry topics and trends. Please enjoy this episode, and if I can be of any assistance, please reach out to me at Derek at DoakMail.com. Now enjoy the show.
1: Uh, today's topic, you know, we're talking about the asset class update in Eastern Washington Um, As many of you know, I usually put these on because I've got some selfish interest of understanding uh, whether it's an asset class or something else around commercial real estate. And um, I have a few holdings in eastern Washington and do some things over in the Chelan market. Uh, But with me today, I think I've got four of the top talent in eastern Washington who I've worked with individually. Uh, over years of, uh, of commercial brokerage and uh, can strongly recommend all four of these gentlemen uh, if you have any commercial real estate needs, that is for sure. So um, without further ado, I wanna jump right into it. Uh, but first I wanna get an introduction from each of the individuals. And so I'm gonna start with you, uh, Chris Bell, if you can give us a little background on yourself and uh, what you focus on.
2: Yeah, thanks, Derek, um, Chris Bell. I'm with NAI Black Commercial Real Estate based in Spokane, um, licensed in Washington and Idaho, doing deals up and down the West Coast. Um, I do uh, investment, uh, I do landlord rep, tenant rep, uh, just about anything to uh, pay the bills these days, but um, focusing mainly um, here in Eastern Washington. And uh, we've just had tremendous um, demand for investment property. So I'm excited to be here today.
1: Awesome. Well, I know you and I have uh, done a few deals over there in the Liberty Lake area. So, uh, um, and there's some good investment properties. Now, looking back on when we sold those, maybe we should have held those for a few more years.
2: Well, yeah, they're, they're coming two. back for sale. You're ready to take another crack at
1: them. <laughs> I think I bit at that apple enough. Um, <laughs> and then uh, next, let's have uh, Chris Bornhoff. Uh, Chris and I we served together on the CCIM board uh, many years, and uh, Chris did an outstanding job. Uh, uh, with the uh, fellow CCIMs and our association, so I'm real excited to have Chris on here. And Chris does a lot of developments himself. Um, so Chris, why don't you give a background on yourself and what you're focused on these days?
3: Yeah, thanks, Derek. Um, <clears throat> my background, uh, commercial real estate wise, is uh, work for some of the region's largest developers. Uh, we've done apartment complexes. Um, a lot of retail centers, office buildings, um, some ground up movie th- movie theaters, hotels, uh, kind of every aspect of that. I uh, got into brokerage work about eight years ago, and I run the Windermere commercial office. Uh, as most people know, Windermere is a residential company. We do have a commercial arm, and so I'm there to kind of support uh, some of the residential agents and what they do. But then as you mentioned, yeah, I do some of my own development. I uh, just finished up an apartment complex and looking to get into some industrial stuff here later on this year.
1: Sounds like fun. Well, welcome.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, Next, I'll have uh, James Wade uh, have a conversation. James, I know you're in the Tri-Cities. You and I have worked on a few projects here and there. Um, We have a Pasco ride Aid over there, so I get over there quite a bit, but there's been a lot of activities in Pasco, so I'm looking forward to hearing from you uh, here when we get in our Q&A session. But uh, I want you to give a little background yourself and kind of what you're focusing on. All
4: right. I've been with SBN for two years now, as formerly with the NEI office here in the Tri Cities. And my business tends to gravitate a lot towards clients that I've had for many, many years. And several of those are in the development game. And so we buy dirt, build a building, fill it with some really nice leases, sell it, repeat. And so we've done a lot of that. Also, we have several clients. I think, Derek, you and I met at a shopping center that's now sold and closed, and yep. that was a long-term client. And right now, we're very busy with 1031 folks coming out of Portland and Seattle wanting to get into our market.
1: Well, uh, hopefully you got that oh, yeah. listing I sent you by email today if you got a 1031 buyer for the uh, Twin Lakes Retail Center. I saw it. I saw it. So uh, has Rob joined us yet? I see Rob, you there?
4: Rob is All doing right. so what he Rob, should be doing and that's out showing some of my listings. So he's gonna be a little late.
1: <laughs> it's always nice when you have someone help out help out on that side. It means you gotta answer the questions <laughs> twice as we bring them up. Well, I, I you know, I think the, the first thing I wanna kind of talk about is the municipalities. I mean, um for everyone out there who's listening you know, you, you know, both both Chris's are uh, based out of the Spokane Valley area and do a lot of work over there. And I know, um, you know, Chris Bell, you did a lot of stuff in Coeur as well. But I'm just curious on how are the municipalities in eastern Washington to work with? And I'm going to start with you, Chris Bell. Are you finding there are certain pockets or markets where the municipalities are trying to attract investors to come and do some developments or reposition? or just right there in the Spokane area? I mean, what's, what's going on at the local level uh, governmentally?
2: Well, I think they're still trying to figure out how to operate in the uh, days of not having anybody in the office. And um, I've had some success. I've had more difficulties in trying to work with clients and on my own projects to be able to get them entitled and permit shovel-ready to, to go vertical. So um specifically uh, the city of Spokane has been trying everything they can to um, speed up their intake process. Uh, we've got a 48 unit uh, apartment project that we just went in for permits on and we, we've just we've just been stymied and it's taken longer than, than anybody would like. Uh, I have some projects going on in the city of Spokane Valley. They've been very uh, friendly to work with. And um, they work hard to push those projects through Um, from a development friendly standpoint. I think the city of Spokane Valley is um, easier to work with than the uh, city of Spokane, Spokane County for the unincorporated portions. They've always been uh, great to work with. Um, And then uh, when you get over into the uh, Idaho side, city Hayden's difficult, the city of Coeur d'Alene, depending on what the, Zoning is, if you can avoid their long design review process, then projects are a little bit easier. But just as any municipality, it all depends on how uh, how well-versed you are in getting somebody to answer the phone, get them off the couch um, these days since they aren't in the office.
1: Yeah. No, I think, and I think all municipalities on both sides of the mountains are uh, in that. I just heard the other day that somebody was saying – over in Seattle, it's, it's almost a year and a half wait now to go through a process. Um, yeah, and, and, and that get... well,
2: it's, all, it's all by perspective. So as this focused on Eastern Washington, when I'm frustrated, I'm frustrated in the, you know, six to eight week range when I'm used to be able, able to get <laughs> permits in three to four weeks. So it's all relative. Yeah. You know, my problems are, are the worst that I see every 30 seconds. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I know six weeks would be welcomed. I mean, in Chelan, we go in on Monday, and we have a permit by Friday. So, um, now, although now I think it's moved to 10 days. It used to be five. Now I think it's 10. So, everyone's complaining. What do you mean 10 days to get my permit? I can't get – I got my uh, foundation guys showing up. Um, wow. So, uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna hop over to you, Chris Bornoff, and, and, and bring up the same type of question. I know you've done some developments. You're looking at doing some reposition of land, things like that. Are you finding – in Eastern Washington, are there certain are there other municipalities outside of Spokane that are trying to attract investors or they're trying to give you know any type of perks on development side, or are you still kind of hyper focused just on the developments in the, the Spokane area?
3: I haven't seen anyone trying to incentivize us to come develop uh, okay. within the jurisdiction. Um, you know, I kind of echo what Chris says, which is the city of Spokane Valley. Uh, is probably the most development friendly and they have some of the nicest and most friendly development codes um, out there. The city of Spokane, uh, <clears throat> when they let everyone go home for COVID, uh, that definitely did set us back and it took longer to get everything done. Um, the city of, uh, or excuse me, Spokane County, uh, which probably represents the largest landmass, you know, in eastern Washington, or at least in Spokane County, um they, same kind of policies, you know, everyone was working from home, so things were were slower. Um, we have been trying to do a rezone, which I believe now is sitting at just over two years uh, from when we started. Um, and so they realize that they have a broken system. Um, they blamed a little bit of it on COVID, COVID, excuse me. They blamed some of it on uh, the UGA and some of the state regulations surrounding, you know, moving and changing your UGA. Um, but that is the biggest challenge that we face, I think in eastern Washington, at least as it relates to development, and that's just getting land zoned appropriately um, if you want light industrial land, you know there was something uh, someone said like a ninety nine year supply of light industrial land you know a few years ago uh, some of that's been getting gobbled up, but if you want other types of land, whether it's retail you know office uh, or multifamily is probably the most sought after it's Kind of like good luck. I mean, if you find it, it is finding a needle in a haystack.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, uh any any time you have to rely on somebody else, a third party, especially municipality, it always makes it. It always makes it a little more difficult to, to forecast. That is for sure. Um, and James, how about how about yourself? Well, I mean, Tri Cities. I mean, every time I, I, I see anything come across LinkedIn or just in my email feed, it just seems like there's a lot of growth things happening over there. Uh. Are you finding the, you know, the, the various municipalities over there? Are they, are they getting harder to work with? Are they offering any type of opportunities for investors and developers, or what are you seeing in that area?
4: You know, we've got three cities and two counties. I became convinced a few years ago that they had a lottery every year to decide which one was going to be the easiest and which one was going to be the hardest to work with for that given year. <laughs> <laughs> It, it almost feels like they take turns to me, but it's all in the perspective. You can, you can get comments at least back on submittals in a month. So when I hear year two year, that really is sobering, but it's, they're all workable. They're all a little bit short staffed. They're all super busy because of COVID, um, which is pretty much a standard excuse or rationale, but they're also pretty accommodating and pretty open to communication, which helps tremendously to actually be able to talk to somebody and get some answers to things that help move it along. But it's, it's, you know, we're, we're measuring our milestones in months, not in weeks quite yet. When I hear 10 days, I think that's stunning, but uh, maybe we can get there.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you guys got, a, you have a lot more going on than Chelan. Um you know, it's just it's just another vacation home being built.
4: We've got two warehouses. So Those are easy to built. work. We've got two warehouses yeah. being built in Pasco that are $100 a hundred million dollars apiece, rumored to be an Amazon fulfillment center, and yeah. supposed to be the two biggest warehouse, the second biggest warehouses in the state. So, footage is exploding. There's a lot more bigger buildings than we ever used to have.
1: Yeah. And, and that's a great segue into the next topic here is talking about growth and population. And, and let's stick, let's stick on that with you, James, on, uh, the Tri-Cities. I mean, I know my, my Pasco Rite Aid, if you'd asked me three years ago, you know, I couldn't sell it because it had a CMBS loan on it or I would have sold it. And now I'm going, hmm, I'm kind of glad I have that one because yeah. uh, all, all the stuff that's going on in that area. And I heard about the Amazon. Um, there's other big developments. I mean, what's, can you, can you, can you tease the audience here with, Kind of what's coming uh, in the market there, what's there, and then uh, you know what are you hearing on the rumor mill? Well, it's very
4: confidential, so we'll have to call me privately to talk about that. There, thank you. Okay, no, I'm teasing. You. I'm teasing. You. <laughs> so there's there's a lot going on. I'd say the biggest change in my market is the market's a bit more diverse than it has been in years gone by. So big industrial buildings. Used to be just agriculture related, now it's a little bit of everything with a couple of transportation related things coming in. The uh, office complex type buildings are a little bit slow, but the retail, that activity is very busy. So there's there, those segments are busy. Uh, medical in our market is a little bit flat, and I don't think that's unusual for our state, frankly, at this point in time privately owned medical office is a little bit sluggish because hospitals are building their own buildings and employing their own docs. But we are busy, our population is right around 325,000 now, which is a pretty significant growth. And I'd say the biggest constraint on us right now is going to be availability of residential housing. Average used to be around 1200 houses A month on the market right now it's around 500 and we have 800 some residential brokers so it's extremely tight
1: yeah are there are you you seeing larger uh larger developers on residential side come into the area i mean are they getting some you know large tracts of land like in west richland or other parts of pasco or kennewick and developing
4: um you know my office is very active in that we're where our sister office is a South of these office and they just got a 300 acre residential development, an area called Hanson park approved through the city of Kennewick. Um, but thanks to the urban growth act, everything takes longer. So the, the growth has come faster than the ability to plat and get permit. So there's a, there's a backlog, but it's uh it's getting caught up, but it's got a long ways to go. And we're, at least a couple of years out from being current for what we need to have.
1: Yeah. So are there, are there, uh, are there like some small retail development opportunities out in those markets? I guess if I was an investor, which I am, and I focus on retail, which I do, mm-hmm. the question would be, are there small little crumbs? Cause I'm a crumb guy, you know, get enough crumbs. And I got my, I'm, it's like the, the, uh, uh, the, the giant and get one of those little peas that fall off the table and that feeds you for a week.
4: Well, you know, you and I met in a shopping center that was listed for 4.2. 4.2 in our market is a fair-sized shopping center. That was, I think, 14 tenants. Uh, There's a market, but it's competitive, driven by cap rate. So if you're around a six, it's going to sell pretty quickly. Um, There's not a huge amount of inventory, but there's inventory. And I think some sellers are starting to figure out this is a great time to go to the market.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, and I think if I recall that there's a fair amount of residential being built on the outskirts of the tri-cities. If you look at it from a ring perspective and it yeah. seems like those are areas to go shopping for some small commercial land, potentially for little neighborhood centers and things like that down the road. So um, uh, it, you know, I I just think the tri-cities it's always one of those ones I, I feel like people come to it last versus first when it comes to investment. They look at the core, and they see, what can I get? Then they go closer to Spokane, what can I get? And they say, oh, what about this Tri-Cities? And then it goes up, and then it comes down. But it seems like it's, it's really gotten to be more a lot more stable and a lot more consistent from a growth perspective. More
4: stable, more diverse, um, and frankly, more interesting cap rates.
1: Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's take the same question over to you, Chris Bell, and let's talk uh, let's talk growth, population. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on um, educationally. I mean, there's some university things happening over there by Gonzaga. There's stuff down by the river, um, sports complexes. I mean, there's just it seems like there's just a lot of new things being added that can be a draw uh, for Spokane. I mean, can you give the the audience some insights and thoughts around where where the valley is or and spokane as a whole uh growth wise and kind of where the market's looking
2: it's exploding i mean it's it's like nothing i've ever seen i went to the university of washington i went to law school at seattle university i grew up on the the west side of the state and moved over here in 2005 because i like the quality of life the pace of life and um, being able to know your neighbors—it is absolutely hair-raising, on fire, insane—with residential growth, commercial growth, industrial growth, institutional growth. I mean, it's just—it's staggering. I can't—I can't keep up. There's only 24 hours in the day, so it's been a great time to be an investor, a developer, and a broker uh, in this market. And I'm, I'm the pro- some of the projects I'm working on—I've got a 1. 5 million square foot um, industrial complex. We've just leased two of the buildings, um 96,000 square foot building, spec building that we're finalizing a lease on. And we just signed a lease on an 88,000 square foot spec building and my client's just going to keep building them. Out there next to the, the 2.3 million square foot Amazon distribution facility, which is next to the 500,000 square foot Amazon distribution facility that they're um, in for uh, Permits on, which is near the 40,000 square foot Amazon Air Logistic Facility, which is down the road from the 200,000 square foot Amazon facility, which is next to the 180,000 square foot Amazon facility, which is about 10 miles from the million square foot Amazon. I mean, it's just insanity what Amazon has done uh, to our market. They've come in and single handedly, they'll be the largest employer in uh, no time. But, you know, there's always the the concern about the amazon effect and is, does it create a, a kind of a void in the market and we're just not seeing it so we have major home builders national home builders the lennars the dr hortons the tripoints the um toll brothers they're all coming in the market buying up every single subdivision they can get their hands on and they all are saying that they're going to build three to four hundred homes a year each which would just, I mean, it's just a scale of building that this area has never seen. Um, so as you look in Spokane and you look across the border in North Idaho, uh, I have a client that just closed on 300 acres of uh, land in the Rafter Prairie where he's going to build a million, million square feet of retail through the years. And then he's going to build around 3,000 um, apartment units. So the level of growth, the level of development that's happening in our market is just what's staggering. It's a lot of fun.
1: Now, uh, and I, I mean, I'll, I'll move the—I'll move the population question over to you, Chris Bornhoff. Uh, what what are you seeing, especially with the Windermere connection, uh, as far as housing demands and needs, uh, as well as just the population growth of workers?
3: Um, you know, I think uh, Spokane County as a whole has had a pretty steady growth, you know, or if you looked over the last decade um, of around 2% to 3%, which I, I think doesn't impress anyone when you talk about that. But if you have a county that's 500,000 people and you're adding, you know, 10 to 15,000 new bodies every single year um, over a 10 year period, you know, we're talking 150,000 people. But then you go look at the number of apartment starts or the number of new house builds in that exact same period of time, and you're not coming anywhere near 10 to 15,000 units of available housing. It's pretty quick. It's pretty quick to see, kind of how we got to where we are. I mean, we our growth, even though it may not have been 10, 15, 20 percent, you know, population growth, it has been completely steady, and uh, it's gotten us to this point where you know, we similar to the Tri Cities have, you know, way more residential agents than we do homes. I mean, I think we're somewhere in the 2200 to 2500, you know, residential agents uh, category. And we probably have, oh my gosh, I don't even know. I bet it's 500 to 800 homes on the market, you know, if even that, you know, at this point. So, um, we have the same thing, the same effect. I mean, you, you just have this clamoring of people wanting to get in here, whether it's natural growth, whether it's, as Chris talked about, you know, the lifestyle, people just wanting to move to the east side of of Washington because they have no income tax or now they can work anywhere because of COVID. Um, You know, they they actually did, they do, you know, they do studies at closings to figure out where do people come from, you know, where are the driver's licenses being surrendered from, so to speak, you know, when you move to Spokane. And I think the number one uh, influx of people actually came from Seattle. Uh, so you've got a lot of Seattle people that are moving to this side of the state, and then you've got you know people from Oregon, Portland, um, for whatever reason, want to get out of the big city, want to get to what would be considered a smaller city. Um, but it is it is an absolutely explosive growth, and 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 specific pockets of there, you know, of uh, Spokane, uh, like Airway Heights, which is out by the airport, have just been they have exploded and you've seen a ton of new, uh, retail growth and, you know, with Amazon and then other, you know, North 40 and just a lot of new retailers and stuff out here. You've got two casinos, you've got the air force base. I mean, there's just a lot of activity happening. Um, and it's been a little bit of a development drought out here, but uh, now they're starting to get services. We've got, you know, new highways, we've got, uh, you know, sewer and water are out here. And, hopefully getting a little more development friendly. So I think we're going to see a lot more growth.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, both, both locations, whether it's the Tri-Cities um, or Spokane area, I mean, they've, they've got airport access, right? So you can – that's one of the things that people that are commuting – I worked with a lot of individuals out of the Bay Area that lived in Bellingham because they had a direct flight from Bellingham right to San Francisco, and they would live during the week – down in the Bay area as a engineer and then fly home to their families on the weekends, uh, in Bellingham could have had a direct flight. So I think you're seeing some more of that too. Um, and, uh, and, and I think, uh, when you think of the Ericropolis, you know, the book that was out there that, uh, you know, they pushed through, we had a speaker at CCAM that talked about that, about how living close to an airport and just going outside of that 50 mile ring, you're going to see just growth over the years to come across the country, um, which totally makes sense because people want to have access and no longer do you have to be close to just a work center of where your job's at. So, um, and both of those areas are just beautiful areas to, uh, to live with high quality of life. So it, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, I mean, our theme obviously here on this podcast is, is an update, but it, it really goes towards investors when you're looking at where to put your money and where to spend your time um investing in commercial real estate and investment properties. And I know we've done shows on uh, the Bellingham area. we've done down south, we've done the core Puget Sound area. and Eastern Washington, to me, has just so much upside and stability. It used to be you don't invest in the east side for growth. you invest on the east side just for you know a constant cash flow. Um, and uh, and I think that's changed. I think that I think that's changed. I think it, it's it's catching up, and now people are looking at it as a growth area more so than just I'm going to buy this and have a cash flow project. Well, so, um, I want to I want to talk a little bit about the outskirts areas, and and I'm going to see, and I'm going to start with you, um, James. Outside of the Tri Cities, when you start heading, you know over towards Moses Lake, Wenatchee, those areas? Are you seeing, Quincy, are you seeing much activity in those markets or are they just kind of, you know, clipping along?
4: You know, one of the brokers in my shop has a, yet another cookie company looking for locations and he showed me what was available CoStar LoopNet in Wenatchee for retail space for lease. And I think there were three listings and he ended up putting his little cookie store under a retail space for about 42 bucks a foot plus triple nets, which is a big number in our, in our market. That's a big number. Um, so they are as active as we are. I would say Moses Lake is active, but probably a little bit more industrially because of the airport infrastructure that they have there from years gone by, um but frankly in my market there's enough going on and we're busy enough that i really don't get out of town that much you know i had a client that was we were working on a project in santa fe and that was kind of an outlier typically we've got more than we can find hours in the day within a half an hour <laughs> of the office so pasco kennewick richland west richland are all busy, Prosser's a little bit busier. Um, get into Walla Walla Yakima, but uh, Walla Walla in particular is just a little bit smaller, a little more specialized market. So you're you're probably a little bit more conservative to go there. Uh, but outlying is changed. I mean, outlying is now uh, draw a circle around the Tri-Cities and you've got enough population and enough growth and enough things to build and enough things to lease to keep it busy.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it, it does seem like some of those markets have just, I mean, they're picking up, but not to the point of, of, you know, those core areas on the, you know, East of the mountains, you know, Yakima, there's a ton of inventory in Yakima for commercial space for sale. Right. Um, right. You know, and, uh, and you see a lot there. Um, you don't see a lot in Ellensburg, Um but, uh, Wenatchee don't see a lot. Um, but, in uh, and walla walla has yeah, kind of its own unique little area, uh, as a, as a whole. Um, I'm going to go back to the, you know, uh, Chris Bell, I'll start with you. Are you doing, are you in your clients, you seeing things done over there in the, you know, afreda Moses Lake, Quincy down towards Wenatchee, that side of, uh, of the, of the gorge.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm active, uh, Moses Lake, Walla Walla, Yakima, and in and around the Tri-Cities. I just completed a deal in um, Lewiston and, and working and looking for sites in Pullman, completed a deal in Pullman, Moscow. Um, so in those, in those tertiary markets, I think the magical drive-through, when you look at the QSRs and those investment development opportunities, the drive-thrus really unlocked a lot of potential in smaller markets with up to 30,000 people around them. And so that's, that's really pulled me from uh, Spokane into some of those tertiary markets to serve those clients.
1: Henry are, are you, uh, are you finding um, those opportunities plentiful or are they, you, you're, you're turning over every rock to kind of find one that actually makes sense? Well,
2: it's, it's not easy. I mean, it's definitely a difficult time because a lot of people love to read the headlines and, and look at uh, the amount of activity and the demand that we're seeing for land in eastern Washington. I mean, in some sub markets, we've seen land prices triple in the last 12 to 18 months. And so it's been it's been tough to have the rents catch up, especially with the uh, COVID restrictions in place. But uh We're still seeing the tenant demand, which is driving the developer and uh, investor demand as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. How about anything over in Pullman? Have you done anything over there? Is there much going on in the Palouse?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, just completed a Chipotle deal uh, right off of uh, Bishop Boulevard near the uh, Walmart. And I have a couple other tenants that are looking in that Pullman, Moscow, uh, Lewiston area.
1: Yeah. That's good. Um Chris Bornhoff, I'm gonna come back to you in kind of the similar vein uh type of question, which is you know, yeah. where are you seeing outside of the core areas that you're in um much activity or what type of activities uh you know going on?
3: Um well I, I hail from the University of Idaho, that's my alma mater, uh graduated from Moscow back in nineteen ninety-eight. And uh, then kind of got stuck down there working at the university and then eventually working my way to work for a real estate developer. Um, And during the time that I worked uh, down there, we saw amazing just growth with the two universities, University of Idaho, you know, Washington State University, both land grant universities and with, you know, pretty good sized budgets for basically being in the middle of nowhere Palouse. You've got WSU that has something like a billion dollar budget every year. That is a ton of money that pours into that little city. Um, and a lot of the people that go there, the students that go there, uh, come, you know, from fairly affluent families, whether it's in Washington state or, you know, across the West Coast, uh, the tuition's not cheap. Um, so there's a lot of money that pours into the city. Um, I started investing down in uh, Clarkston, you know, Lewis and Clarkston sit on the river across from each other. Uh, Investing in Clarkson, Washington back in the late 2000s in apartment complexes uh, just found really great deals that were, um, you know, they were on market and had been sitting for a while, needed some, you know, repositioning, some improvements. So bought some units down there and then just bought one as recently as 2017 uh, and did a renovation remodel to it. Um, There's a lot of barriers to entry. I mean, both of those cities uh, sort of are limited by how much they can grow. Uh, Just physically, they've got some challenges with them. Uh, And then just mentally, there's just uh, a, it's a, it's more of a laid back farming community, but you know, don't, don't let it fool you. I mean, there is a ton of money down there in those valleys and those people want the same things that we want in Spokane or that you want in Seattle. You know, they all want a Target uh, or an Ikea or they want to get their Starbucks coffee or whatever it might be. So um, I think there are still some good, you talk about crumbs and you talk about good good plays, I think those tertiary markets um, still have some really good uh, opportunities in them um, and are kind of ripe for people. But if you're going to do it, I mean, you've got to get in there, you know, and in some ways you kind of got to yeah. get your hands dirty. you got to get to know people. Uh, you can't really do it sitting from your keyboard. Uh, you really got to go to go in there and understand the communities. Um, I was fortunate that I have, you know, some friends and people that live there uh, kind of had an insider, you know, that helped me navigate my way through some of the, uh, the politics of a small town. Uh, but even without that, I think just kind of understanding it and then committing to it, I, you know, buying something and holding it with the plan for a long time is a much better strategy than kind of a quick flip, um, you know, in a tertiary market like that.
1: Yeah, there's some really good cash flow plays there. And you brought up some good points there around the get to know the markets. And, um, I I can't stress enough that if you're an investor and you're thinking of going to Eastern Washington, um, you know, contacting any of these individuals that are on the the podcast here today uh, to help you. And and as a broker, I mean, I've co-brokered deals. Uh, Chris, uh, you know, Bell and I have done a few deals together and, and I, I think if you're a broker and you're from the West side of the mountains and you want to do some deals in Eastern Washington as an investor, um, you know, Team up with somebody, co broker with somebody over there because it, it, it's worth, it's, it's worth, it's worth, you know, don't let, don't be, was it, uh, penny wise, pound foolish of trying to just keep the deal yourself. You know, work with someone who knows the area because, um, I know Chris has saved me some money, uh, on deals when I looked at a couple of deals and he's like, what the hell are you thinking? Um, so, <laughs> you know, definitely, you know, reach out to your fellow brokers. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to, before we get to the, 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 the the million or multi-million dollar question, which is what I always ask towards the end around, you know, if you have some money or you're an investor, where are you going to go? Um, I'm going to open up to the, to you guys and see if you guys have, uh, any, any, all all the things we've talked about here. Do you have any, anything else you want to add or any questions for each other, uh, on the market?
4: I'd like to echo your comment on using a local broker, just like you use a a caddy on a golf course. They know the course. They know what's around that bend that you can't see because they've been there, done that. So I, I appreciate your comment and I echo that working with somebody that's in the market day after day and knows it is helpful. And as things really are beginning to get picked over, you know, we're seeing less and less attractive cap rates on the stuff that's publicly listed it's helpful to have somebody that might have something coming that's not on the market yet that they can steer you to.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I have the mindset. I don't need that many deals to be successful in what I'm doing as an investor. So I got to make sure they're the right deals and I can't afford to make mistakes. So I would rather give up a portion of that fee for sure for the knowledge because you guys, you guys are in the trenches. You see it every day, every day, you know what's going on. Um, well what, for those people what, what, that are what?
3: buying, you know that's the other thing is just being prepared. You know when you go into a market, especially a market you're not familiar with, make sure that you've got your banking relationship on lockdown and make sure that you have you know that you have a bank that's going to lend there and make sure that you've got you know the the cash to be able to do the deal. I mean, if you're going in blind and you're expecting a broker like Chris Bell to run around and try to find you a property, you know, uh, I mean, we're all super busy, so it's like you come in and, and be willing to get your hands dirty and do some of your own due diligence, but then we will help you navigate, you know, things like saving you money or being like, hey, did you know that there's no sewer to this property and that's going to cost you, you know, five hundred thousand bucks to trench in or whatever it might be. But like, people, I think, need to be involved in the process, you know, and not just um, not just let someone else try to handle them or find them the deals.
1: Yeah. Well, there's so many neat little jewels in eastern washington of of locations and they're all unique in their own right and asset class wise whether it's industrial office retail uh multifamily i mean i know the stuff i had over in moscow idaho uh, retail did extremely well um the stuff in spokane the stuff in pasco stuff in yakima stuff in wenatchee stuff in chelan i mean I, i i love eastern washington for that there's just some neat little pockets and working with the right person, you can find that. Um, and uh, and I know you guys cover a lot of territory, a lot of territory. So this is uh, this has been very insightful from that regard for sure. Um, I'm gonna go back to Chris Bell for a second. You said something about uh, you know drive-through locations with a 30,000 population around you. Is that are you looking like in a how big a ring? A five mile, one mile? What's what's kind of your thought when you look at something like that?
2: Ten minute drive time.
1: 10 minute drive time mm-hmm. is, is yeah. is Eastern Washington. And that's a good thing to bring up. Is Eastern Washington more of a drive time area or is it a mile from area? No, it's all drive times
2: because we are a car centric car dependent market. So you can have, um, you take Spokane for instance, and you talk about the South Hill of Spokane and you talk about highway 195 in the Lake Creek area. And you get somebody who looks at it from a map and says, oh, you know, that's that's just a stone's throw away. They don't realize that it's a 20 minute drive from 29th Avenue to get down to Lake Tahoe Creek because you have to drive off of the South Hill. They call it a hill because it's on a hill and there's a cliff and there's only one road that exits off the, the south end, Hatch Road. So uh, a lot of the retailers that I work with are focused on that drive time and uh, how many people. Are in that area within the five, 10, not, like 12, 15 minute. Because when you get into these tertiary markets, people will drive. I mean, they're used to driving 10 or 15, 20 minutes to get to services because they just don't have the opportunities. So a lot of those services are clustered in the smaller tertiary markets.
1: Yeah, that totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Well, I know my, my folks live over in Coeur d'Alene and the complex where they live you know they're watching the rents just keep continually going through the roof you know they're retired fixed income and they're just kind of watching everything go around them and they're just going you know it's getting to the point where they feel like they're going to be priced out in the next couple of years because the bumps are coming so fast and so hard um, yeah so I, I i imagine you're seeing that throughout the whole area oh yeah the, the rent growth i mean we want i
2: was i was talking um with a Broker in my office who just completed an apartment transaction. I asked him, I go, I'm getting on a webinar. What's the craziest cap rate you've seen? And he goes, well, I just closed the deal at 2.8 cap last week. 62 <laughs> unit apartment complex. And I go, yeah, that that takes the cake. Now, why is somebody wow. buying a 2.8 cap in, in Spokane, Washington? It's all about the rent growth. People look around and they look at the rents and there's like this. I mean, there's a lot of room to go. but you know, as I mentioned earlier, you're going to have Amazon. That's going to be the largest private employer in Spokane County in the region. And when you go out to their um, large facilities, a majority of the cars have Idaho license plates because they're willing to drive half hour, 45 minutes, an hour for 17 bucks an hour in full bennies, as opposed to yeah. $7 and no bennies in uh, in Idaho.
1: Yeah. No, my, my nephew, uh, my nephew works for Amazon uh, over there in a fulfillment center as a manager and he lives in Idaho and he drives it back and forth. So, yeah,
2: well, and that, and again, that's, I moved here in 2005 and I, I live um, in the Spokane Valley and I worked in downtown and it took me, you know, 15, 20 minutes, 24 hours a day to get there. We don't have that luxury anymore. We have these evil things that we inherited from Seattle called uh, metered ramps that are (laughs) popping up all over on Interstate 90. We have traffic. It's, you know, I I did the reverse commute from Everett to uh, Seattle. And, you know, you had to pick your lane and pick your time when you were going. The joke uh, around here is it didn't take you more than 20 minutes to get anywhere in Spokane. That's just about over.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's it, it, that's what that's what happens with growth and in, and uh, in, uh, prosperity.
2: No, we love it. That's that why we're in the sure. business. We're, we're, here yeah, to, no, we're here to get the people what they want.
1: Well, that, that, then that kind of that's a good segue into our next topic, which is talking about in, investment opportunities. I mean, everything's everything is so hot in the area, uh, and I say area meaning the the just the northwest as a whole. Um, if an investor's coming to you, and I'm going to start with you, Chris Bornhoff, if an investor is calling you from out of the area and says, you know, I'm looking to start investing in eastern Washington, what would you tell me? Where, where would you take them? What kind of asset class would you recommend? Um, what would be your kind of strategy for assisting that client?
3: Oh boy. Um, and I've had lots of those calls before. The, the first one is just, you know, let them know, good luck. You know, let's be in it for the long <laughs> haul. Um, um, I'm, I'm my own uh worst client be, because I am exactly that person right now. I sold an apartment complex, uh, back in April and we put it under contract in November of 2020 um, back then I was getting about a five cap on it, which was unheard of. Uh, obviously I sold it, you know, too soon at 2.8. To now they're going for a uh, Spokane, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, the luxury of being able to sit for five and a half, six months before it closed and really get out there and look at the market sort of taught me a lot. It, it taught me that Spokane itself, uh, there are not as many good deals here. Like if, if you just wanted to go out on the market and try to find a, A quick serve restaurant on a ground lease like they don't exist if you wanted to try to find a a nice little strip center you know it it may or may not exist um so there's there's things like that and if you want to find an apartment complex at a decent cap rate um you know also doesn't exist so i had to sort of adjust my mentality to say okay i'm going to have to settle for a a lower cap rate uh, or an asset class that maybe i'm not familiar with or that i that i need to get into and i think in looking through everything that I've looked through, um, you know, office buildings still, I I think there is some, there probably is some value to be found there. If you can meet the people where they're at, um, there's a lot of talk about people wanting to go back to office, but there's also a lot of talk about people, you know, not wanting as big of offices. So if there's a way to provide them an office experience, but at a smaller scale, I feel like that could be a really interesting play. Um, multifamily is obviously with the rent growth is still a great asset i think you're just going to have to settle for a lower cap rate so you can't lead with cash flow because your cash flow is not going to be there even though your interest rates are super low and cap rates are tied to interest rates you're going to have to settle for a lower cap rate if you're going to want to get into the multi-family game um industrial is pretty intriguing to me right now uh, i think there's a lot of growth obviously chris rattled off the 17 different you know amazon sites and there's a lot of tertiary stuff happening in industrial. Um, I just listed uh, a little uh, warehouse building. You know, if you if you if I had a if I had 1,500 to 3,000 square foot warehouse buildings, and I had 20 of them, I could probably sell them out in a heartbeat. Because I think that's the that's what people are going to want um, as they're looking for you know a contractor's wanting a space to work or some guys wanting a place to you know, get a man cave or something put together. So that to me is kind of a, uh, the direction that I that I see the market going and kind of the direction that I'm going personally with my investing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good good, uh, good insights. Um, and uh, Chris Bell, I'll go with you. Same type of question. You know, when, when you're helping clients right now, somebody right now looking to invest in the area, and I'll say areas in Eastern Washington as a whole, because I know you cover a lot of areas as well, where do you think is up? Op- where, where are that opportunity? Whether it's path of progress or opportunistic investors, not just uh, not the stable investor where they're saying, I just want to get 3% of my money, call it good, but more of that, more of that uh, opportunistic investor looking for some potential upside down the road.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I, y- you look to where, where is their upside? So right now I'd be looking in the downtown core. And as Chris mentioned, are there any office opportunities Underutilized office buildings. We just completed a renovation of uh, 30,000 square feet of uh, mixed-use building. We have a 6,000 square foot restaurant on the, on the first floor, and then we put 50 apartment units up above. But it was an office building that had been vacant for I don't know, 10, 12 years, and so we are ha- renovated that through COVID. Started it, kind of plugged our nose, closed our eyes, and said, "What are we doing?" Uh, but we had record lease up, record rental rates, and uh, we had at least in a month. So um, in this Eastern Washington, I think there's downtown core opportunities for value add. I mean, but it's also somebody has got to have the stomach and uh, yeah. wherewithal to stick with it. There aren't any low yeah. hanging fruit right now. You're, you're If you're going to come over and invest in real estate, you, I mean, you got to be a professional, meaning that you better have. Some thick skin to be able to stick to your plan and execute your plan because it, the low-hanging fruit's gone. So, I mean, what, right now I'm I'm building. We're like I mentioned, we're building 48 um, apartment units. I think um, there's always going to be demand for housing here. We've got the the large home builders that are that are building the homes, but look around at the the jobs that are being created and a lot of those jobs. Uh, in the Spokane area aren't going to get you into a $500,000 starter home. So I think the uh, demand for apartments will be strong. And then just to also echo what Chris said, if I had, you know, 1,500 to 3,000 to 5,000 square foot finished uh, 10 by 12 roll-up door warehouse spaces, they'd be gone in a heartbeat. So most of the stuff I'm working on is large format, 100,000, 50 to 50 to 150 thousand large format industrial, but for just the the investor to say, okay, I'm going to come over here and invest in these areas uh, because people are still paying more for shit than it costs to store it. It's just unbelievable, yeah. and so I don't see that trend <laughs> stopping.
1: Well, and and when we talk about stable assets, I mean the one thing has got to be difficult for you guys, I would imagine. And correct me if I'm wrong here. Is that when you've looked at a market where it has been for years on the stability side and the cap rates not really compressing really hard? But when you come from West, you know California or other areas, and you say, "I could buy a really nice absolute triple net real estate deal on retail for a four and a seven five cap or five and a quarter," oh, well, that's a great deal. Starting I'm getting here, which is a hell of a deal there, um, and uh, so your your eyes might be looking at it from the investor perspective of yourself, what the market used to be, but the way the market conditions are now, you know, I, I imagine those are selling, you know, four and a half, four and three quarter, five cap, five and a quarter, you know, retail triple net deals.
2: Oh, they're, they're, they're going hotcakes. I, I, just, I just sold a, a, a ground lease, a, a Banner Bank ground lease with a fully leased fully leased 6,000 square foot retail center and a 10,000 square foot um, warehouse complex, and I kind of, I couldn't believe it, but you know, it, it was gone in a week. So I think you're 100% right, and it's all about perspective. When you're coming from um, the Seattle markets, we we just we get we are in our own bubble over here, right, wrong or indifferent. So yeah. for us, as we look at this with an investor hat on, if you say, hey, what would you put somebody into? If you take yourself out of it and you look at what the alternative investments that they may have in those other markets, those major West Coast markets, we still look incredibly
3: attractive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly... There's just a very limited <laughs>
3: supply of it be, yeah. because the people that own it are, some of them are uninterested in selling. You have a lot of really long-term holders of real estate who don't want to sell, no matter... No matter what the cap rate is you throw at them, you know, and the dollar. They're just like, what what am what am I going to put the money into is their is their question to me. So well, I mean, I mean weekly the- I get an email from someone who wants to buy, but rarely do I get an email from someone who's like, hey, I just I'd love to sell off all my QSR pod sites, Chris.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's and be that's be great. I think about all
2: them all working with local yeah. uh, working with local brokers because uh, the one thing that i get is frustration from people that come over to spokane and they look at all the development opportunity or acquisition opportunity and they don't realize that it's not for sale and it won't ever be for sale for generations.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well i i know when i did my searches over there you know i i get online do my searches i look for opportunities and then I, I'd call up Chris Bell and Chris was like, yeah, those are decent, but I got three more that are come on line. Take a look at these instead. So this is where it comes into, again, working with a local broker uh, in the market, you know, find the one that you are comfortable with that can help you find the right deals for sure. Um, and James, I want to hop over to you really quick. while we have a, little bit, a few minutes left here um, and the same type of question. I mean, what do you see in tri cities wise? Uh, I know you're real busy with a lot of deals going on as an investor somebody from the outside of the area who's coming into the market where would you guide and uh, and and point them uh, for opportunities?
4: you know I think I'm gonna have a different answer Derek and that's it i uh, I made the decision that we all made and I married up, which means that my sons are more intelligent than I am and one of them put together my website and email and all that for me with a tagline of fulfill your plan and a lot of times when people call me we talk about their plan and they kind of scratch their head, like, well, what, I don't really have a plan. So for me, I think rather than steer them towards one way or the other, if I'm gonna invest my time. I wanna sit down with them or Zoom with them or get to know them and come up with a really long-term, sustainable, achievable goal and plan of what we're trying to do. Because I think as we've all have said, inventory is pretty slim and there's more buyers than there are sellers right now so for me the answer is I like to really get to know the client the better establish relationship that's going to work for several years and then really have them queued up and ready to go to pull the trigger now you get a lot of 1031 calls right now and that's not going to be quite as possible but I still like to really have a game plan in mind because there's going to be opportunities that come up you're going to have to move on them quickly, but to know what you want and to be a position to move on quickly, you got to have your ducks in a row.
1: Yeah. Well, it seems like, I mean, from asset class wise in the tri cities, uh, you know, all asset classes are open. Uh, I know you got some industrial stuff that's going in there. Uh, are you still, is there, is there still multifamily opportunity developments in the tri city markets? Uh, As an asset class or retail as an asset class? And what do you, what are you seeing from that, that regard? I'd be
4: be more inclined to take a look at retail multifamily just feels, looks and smells like prices are pretty inflated right now. Um, I mean, our rents have really gone through the roof in our market and have to wonder if we start getting more housing starts if that's not going to evolve just a little bit i mean we're looking at studios for a couple thousand bucks we used to never see that 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 was just a huge huge number and now that's more more often than not the norm for some of the new projects that are going in um yeah i'd say about the only thing that i'd really steer somebody away from right now actively would be hotel because we're we're getting a fair amount of hotel, but there again, we've got four hotels under contract right now to convert to residential product because there is no residential product. So yeah. Yeah. that might translate to a change in the in the hotel market. But right now, multifamily is great, but it's it's overpriced. Retail is still pretty active. Industrial seems to be going a lot more towards the big boys. I would echo what the other fellow said, and that's that. Some office work, you know, some office in the front, a couple of bay doors in the back, open space all day long. Could lease that out all day long. Yeah. Same day.
1: Yeah, that flexible space is a, a nice thing. Um, well, I see. I see we're, we're pressing up on our uh, on our one hour time limit here, and I, I want to respect everybody's time here on the call and and the audience. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sign this off and 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 thank uh, our podcast panelists here today with me, uh, as always, um, you guys were great to have on, um, great insights. It's got me thinking I've got a ton of notes here, um, to reach out to you guys on as it relates to my own personal investing. Uh, but, and I look forward to talking to you guys on that. I'm going to pass it back to Shane and let Shane uh, sign us off here.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you should have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to me directly at Derek at DoakMail.com. Again, thanks for listening. And I hope you all have a great day. Thank you.